You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Midway United Methodist Church. Will you please stand up and worship with us? Miss Holly is going to grace you with her talent. (laughs) (laughs) I am guilty, ashamed of what I've done. What I've become, these hands are dirty. I dare not lift them up to the Holy
Good morning. Welcome to Midway United Methodist Church. My name is Amanda Lane. I'm the associate pastor. We, it's a joy to come together in worship this morning. I want to invite everyone to register your attendance. You can do that through the Midway app or through the QR code on your chair. Let us know that you're here. Let us know how we might be praying for you um, throughout this week. A couple of quick reminders uh, about what's going on in the life and ministry of the uh, We have Easter coming up in two weeks. Next week begins Holy Week as well. There's so much going on. We want to invite you to check the app, make, and it has all the information. Check the website. It has all the information. Check the midweek. It has all the information. And if that still doesn't work, we have handouts in the Welcome Center back here for you to grab, and it has everything you need to know that's happening in the next couple weeks around Holy Week and Easter. Our Easter services will be the same as our regular services, 8.30, 9.45, and 11 o'clock. We will have a 7 a.m. sunrise service in the outdoor chapel over here right off the graveyard. We hope that you'll join us for that because our youth will be leading that um, Easter Sunday. So as you can see, there's a lot that's come, going on. So it's so important for you to check your email, to check your text messages. However, we try, we try to communicate with you uh, so many different ways. Speaking of communication, I want to invite Diane to come forward. She is going to introduce our new pastor of communications. So uh, I want to introduce to you Pedro Silva right here, and I'm going to introduce his whole family in just a minute also. Um, you've heard Jenny speak about him from the pulpit. You've Hopefully, you've read it in the midweek. We've been looking for a director of communications, and Pedro is our answer to prayer. He is a, an extremely accomplished guy, and I just really don't have enough time to really sufficiently embarrass him by recounting all of his wonderful um, accomplishments. But um, I'll tell you a few things. Uh, he has three degrees in Mark, well, actually four because Candler also. So he's a graduate of seminary, but has three degrees in business, advertising, and so forth, and uh, he comes to us um, from his current job, which he will be continuing, but uh, he is the creative director at Mount Pis Pisgah Christian School, where he takes care of all of their marketing communications needs. Um, we're just um, thrilled to have him with us. Um, he speaks multiple languages, he's um, accomplished in many other areas that I could tell you about, um, but I want to introduce his family also because they're here to visit in this service, and I know you're going to want to greet them at the end of this service. So, you want to come up here? Sure, come on up, come on up, come on down. Okay. Okay, all right. Um, so this is Davi, Lucas, uh, Pedro's wife, Flavia, and his mother, Silvana, who is who's visiting from Brazil. So um, I hope that, oh, wonderful. Yeah. Flavia is an accomplished person also. She's a gifted singer, as I understand it. She teaches Bible at Mount Pisgah. So um, please make them welcome, and um, we'll just look forward to uh, God's work through you as, um, as you get on board here. Um, we're expecting him to be uh, appointed as a local pastor here on a part-time basis, uh, beginning in the summer. So God's going to use him in wonderful ways. Thank you. Let us prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we thank you so much for this time and this place. Lord, just to come and to worship. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and prepare our minds 
to receive your message. Prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the sacrament of communion and to experience your awesome grace. In your name we pray. Amen. a place mercy reigns and never dies there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide where all the like a flood comes flowing down at the cross at the cross I surrender my life I'm in all of you I'm in all of you where your love ran red and my sin was You may be seated. This morning, as we go to God in prayer, I do want to point out that we have a, a prayer shawl up here. This prayer shawl will go to Marilyn Prescott. She is the mother of um, Heather Hawkins. She was recently put on hospice care, and so I, we just pray um, over this, um, this prayer shawl and pray that as she receives it, she will experience and feel all of the prayers that you have to offer her. During the prayer time, you are invited to come up and to lay your hands on the shawl and pray over it. Will you pray with me? God, we are reluctant 
to set aside our hurt, our anger, our disappointment. Heal us with your tender touch that we might be cleansed of all unclean thoughts, all schemes of revenge, all hope of vindictive retribution. Open our eyes to the power of love shown to us in the unselfish sacrifice of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant us remission of all of our sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and the consolation of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, we come before you this morning. We are broken people in need of your grace. I pray for forgiveness for myself, for others, for us as a community. God, there are many times that we have not honored and we have not come to you. Forgive us and allow us to return to you. Allow us to seek you only. We thank you for the wisdom and the grace that you have given us. And God, we pray, we pray for that continued wisdom. We pray for that continued grace. We pray that you would continue to lead this church. Lead this church so that we might honor and praise you. God, so that when we go out into the community, others will know Christ. Others will know who Christ is because of the way we speak, because of the way we love one another, and because of the way we love those in the community. Lord, I pray this morning for those who are lonely, for those who are depressed or anxious or worried. Lord, would you be with them? Let your presence be known. God, I also pray for those who are healing from sickness. God, would you be with them? Would you be with their families? Be with the doctors and nurses as they use their gifts of healing. And Lord, I pray a special prayer for this prayer shawl. We thank you for the hands that wove it together. And Lord, we thank you for the many prayers that it represents. I pray that as Marilyn receives it, she would experience your love and your grace, but most importantly, your presence through the community of believers. God, we pray these prayers together. And we pray as one voice the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering and offering ourselves and our tithes, our very lives, I want to thank you so much for your gifts last week. We received an offering for UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, and you all were very generous in donating over $5,000 to that uh, cause. So thank you. We have an opportunity to give this week. We have offering plates at either of the doors, or you can give online at midwayumc.org. praises 
Amen. I would love to invite the children who have been patiently waiting in the back to come forward for our children's sermon this morning. Hey, friends. How are y'all? Good? Good? All right. Come on up, Lauren. You're good. Okay. Did you know that some of the disciples that Jesus had, did you know some of them were women? Sit right here. Or sit with Miss Carly. There you go. Did you know that some of the disciples Jesus had were women? No, I know we always talk about the men, like Peter or James or John, but, but Jesus also had women who were disciples. Let me read you our scripture for today. So this is when Jesus was being crucified. He was hanging on the cross. You know how we've been talking about the different people that were standing around the cross. Well, we've got, so, so there were like soldiers and there were some of the religious people and last week, we talked about John and Mary. Well, this week, it says there were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and Joseph and Salome. These used to follow him and provide for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? These women followed him, and they didn't even have to be written about. They just did. They just followed Jesus. You know what this tells me? It tells me that Jesus was always, always including people that other people wouldn't have. He was always including people that the rest of society said, um, that can't happen. The rest of society would have said, nope, women can't be disciples. You can't be a disciple. You can't be a disciple. You can, Charlie, but you can't. But Jesus was saying, everyone can be my disciple. So do you think, do you think that you as kids can also be Jesus's disciple? You don't think you can? Why? You think you're too young? Here's the thing. I don't think you're too young at all. People, anybody, any age can be Jesus's disciple. How, what are ways, so kids and adults can be the disciple. What are ways that you guys can be a disciple of Jesus? Follow Jesus's commands, like helping the community, Charlie. Help, help when things are going wrong. Very good, Rosie. Teach others about Jesus and God. Elizabeth? Pick up litter. Good. David? Be nice to God. Yeah, there are so many ways that we can be a disciple of Jesus by learning about Jesus in the Bible and living like Jesus lived. All those things that y'all said are, are the ways that Jesus lived. So I want you to remember. I want you to remember this week. Because we often hear, you often hear us telling adults, live like Jesus, be a disciple of Jesus. But I want you to remember that you are very important and special. And that you. All right, will you pray with me? Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you that we can be disciples. Help us follow Jesus. Amen. All right, y'all can go back to your parents or you can go with Mr. Mark and Miss Carly to Children's Church. Have such energy. <laughs> How blessed we are to have children at our church. We continue, as Amanda mentioned to the children, uh, looking at the witnesses who are at the cross. Our scripture lesson today is from the Gospel of Mark, the 15th chapter, beginning with uh, 
the 37th verse. Hear now God's word to us this day. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger and Hoses and Salome. These used to follow him and provided for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? It's a question that echoes down through the ages and as followers of Jesus and the community that worships before the cross. It's a question that is posed to us whenever we take up the scriptures and read the passion narrative. Were you there? We know better who wasn't there. We know Judas wasn't there, of course. He excused himself from the intimacy of the Passover table to betray his master for a bag of coins, a moral failure that we ourselves can identify with if we take time to think about our own relationship with wealth and money. Peter was absent too. Despite his bravado that he would stick with his Lord through thick and thin, even if he had to die, Peter denied him under interrogation by a mere servant girl. The rest of the disciples didn't fare much better. They all abandoned him, save the beloved disciple, according to John's version of the crucifixion. All in all, though, the 12 disciples have a spotty record at best. But we, can we really blame them for hightailing it out of Dodge for fear of their lives? Would we have fared any better? Self-preservation is an instinct that is embedded in our DNA by our creator. Naturally, the disciples didn't want to be found guilty by association and wind up with the same fate as their master. So Jesus is all alone when he is dragged up that hill, his hands and feet hammered to nailed to that splintered wood and that heavy cross raised into place. I imagine Jesus scanning the scene below from his painful perch on that instrument of death, searching for someone, anyone he knew who could provide a little comfort, like a death row inmate scanning the room for loved ones on the other side of the glass before the lethal injection is given. But no one, no one is there. At least that's the way us preachers tend to present the scene on Passion Sunday and Good Friday. Jesus has been betrayed, denied, and abandoned by all his followers and closest friends. Even God seems absent as darkness descends and Jesus gives up an anguished cry, My God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? We tend to remember the scene this way because it brings home the stark alienation our Lord suffered in doing for us what only he could do to save us from ourselves. He suffers immense and prolonged physical pain, but also the emotional pain of being abandoned by his closest friends. And as we all know, 
you know, physical pain can be terrible, excruciating, but when it abates, we no longer dwell on it. But emotional pain created by the failure of those who are supposed to love and protect and care for us, well, that can leave scars that continue for even a lifetime. And yet, despite the picture of Jesus' abandonment at the cross that we carry in our minds, reality is that he wasn't completely alone. John reports, as Amanda preached last week, that the beloved disciple and Jesus' mother were there. In addition, all the Gospels witness to the fact that there were also other followers on the scene, namely the women. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, the women can answer. Yes, we were there. They are present and accounted for. Three of them identified individually except in the Gospel of Luke. So who were the three women named in the other three Gospels? Well, the answer is very convoluted. Mary Magdalene is consistently there, mentioned by Matthew, Mark, and John. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, or Hoses, is in both Matthew and Mark. She may actually be Jesus' mother, Mary, since Jesus reportedly had brothers by those names. The remaining four women are mentioned once in the Gospels, accumulatively. Salome, who is in Mark, the mother of the sons of Zebedee in Matthew, and a sister of Joseph's mother, Mary, and Mary of Clopas, both in John. So at, if at this point you're confused as to which women were actually there, you're in good company, along with biblical scholars across the ages. Some have tried to you know, bring all these gospel accounts into agreement by conflating all four of the above women into a single figure. Thus, Salome and Mrs. Zebedee, along with Mary of Clopas, become one and the same person. So in church tradition, this woman came to be called Mary Salome because, you know, you can never have enough Marys to confuse us even more, right? Mary Salome, in keeping with this composite figure, is also the half-sister or sister-in-law to Jesus' mother. Now, it's a stretch to conflate four people into one, but if you like tidy stories, you are free to go with it. You know, this little comparative lesson serves as a good reminder that the Bible is not a book of history, but a book of faith. Each gospel is written to a specific community with a desire to impart details that will comfort and guide the respective communities. The names of the women likely differ according to which women specific communities had relationship or close ties. Now there isn't time this morning to go into great detail on the relationship between Jesus and the three women marked names. Briefly, we know that the mothers of the sons of Zebedee holds a less than stellar place in the scriptures for having asked Jesus to promote her boys to places of prominence in his kingdom. Yet give her credit, she's still there, even though her boys have, have left nowhere to be seen, and her husband probably still back in Galilee, sitting in the boat, mending his nets. Mary Magdalene will hold the unique honor of being the first to witness and 
testify to Jesus' resurrection. But we know she is not without blemish. She had sinned and had been possessed by seven demons until Jesus miraculously healed her. There is no reason, though, to believe she was a prostitute. Let me say it again in case you missed it. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Of course, if she was, that would make her no less redeemed. But this is a false memory of the church found, that found its way into Christian tradition because of a sermon preached by Pope Gregory the Great in 591 A.D., He expounded on Mary's anointing of Jesus, saying, It is clear, brothers, that she previously used the unguent to perfume her flesh in forbidden acts, what she therefore displayed more scandalously she was now offering to God in a more praiseworthy manner. That's good preaching. It's just not exactly accurate. Countless books, of course, have been written about Jesus' venerated mother, the faithful virgin, a mere girl who humbly offered her body to bear God's son into the world, saying, obediently, let it be with me according to your word. No doubt, she she was a mother like all mothers. I'm sure she had her challenges raising Jesus had her doubts about her abilities as a mother. But nothing, not even asking Jesus to produce some wine on the spot at an ill-planned wedding, could tarnish the reputation of the mother of our Lord. A.J. Levine argues that Mary was not only Jesus' mother, but also became one of his disciples. But what about those other women at the cross, those who were looking on from a distance. Where in the world did they come from? Mark hasn't mentioned them before, and yet he waits until the next to last chapter before he brings them up. It's like a bad script where a new character is introduced at the end of the movie without enough time to fully develop the character. So we don't know much about these women, though we do know that they were more than groupies. They weren't just following Jesus around because they admired him, like the music he sang. No, they were from Galilee where the bulk of Jesus' ministry took place, they had become followers of his, disciples who sat at his feet and learned from him like Mary did, and who supported him and his mission through their means and their service. We know that they were such committed disciples that they left their homes in Galilee to travel with Jesus up to Jerusalem despite his predictions of death. Why did they, though, stand at a distance? Why such a wide berth between them and the cross? We are left to speculate by putting ourselves in the shoes of the women or the sandals, as the case may be. Maybe they stood at a distance because no self-respecting Jewish woman would be caught dead close to a scene of such cruelty and defilement. Maybe they stood at a distance because it was just too painful to be so close to Jesus that they could see the agony and hear him struggling to breathe. Maybe they stood at a distance for the same reason the disciples were scarce. They were afraid of being associated with Jesus. After all, women could be crucified too. Maybe they stood at a distance 
because they didn't want to be near those who were drinking and gambling and laughing and taunting as their loved one was dying. Yes, the women were there, but at a distance. So too, though, were those who first read Mark's words, and so too are we, my brothers and sisters. We are those who stand at a distance, taking in all these things as we read and meditate on this scene through the words of the gospel writers. We hear the sound of the hammering of the nails, the taunts and the words of mockery and the actions and interactions of all those who were there at the crucifixion. Distance, though, gives perspective, doesn't it? Have you ever walked into a room and stood in the back? It's a whole different experience than sitting up front, which is why I always have a hard time getting y'all to move up closer. Have you ever stood on a mountain and taken in the view? It's a whole different thing than hiking up it. Have you ever looked into the vastness of the night sky and realized how small this world is and how tiny we are and how wonderful is the God who created it all? Or have you ever sat in church and looked at the cross and considered that this instrument of death miraculously cuts across the distance of time and language and culture and geography, transforming lives and changing the world with the good news of God's great love and amazing grace. Like the women who stood at a distance from the cross, we too can follow and serve this man from Galilee. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, we can answer. Yes, we were there, though at an even greater distance from the cross than the women. Removed by some 2,000 years, yet we know we were there because it was for our sin that Jesus was nailed to that cross. Back in the 1990s, singer Bette Midler had a hit song. It was first recorded by Nancy Griffith, but took off when Midler released it during the Gulf War. The song speaks about how the way we see things is transformed when we look at them from a distance. From a distance. The world looks blue and green and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance, the ocean meets the stream and the eagle takes to flight. From a distance, there is harmony and it echoes through the land. It's the voice of hope. It's the voice of peace. It's the voice of every man. From a distance, we all have enough. And no one is in need. And there are no guns, no bombs, and no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. From a distance, we are instruments marching in a common band, playing songs of hope, playing songs of peace. They are the songs of every man. From a distance, you look like my friend even though we are at war. From a distance, I just cannot comprehend what all this fighting is for. From a distance, there is harmony, and it echoes through the land. And it's the hope of hopes. It's the love of loves. It's the heart of every man. And how does it end? God is watching us. God is watching us. 
God is watching us from a distance. Julie Gold, who wrote the song, said that she intended for it not to convey the distance of God, but God's imminence and beneficence. In her book, A Wrinkle of Time, author Madeline Lingle wrote, I have a point of view, you have a point of view, God has a view. The women had a unique point of view, standing at a distance from the cross, and so do we. But their view and ours is nothing compared to God's view. For God's view is eternal, and it does not end at a cross, and it does not end in death, but goes on through an empty tomb. Holy Communion is an opportunity for us to come closer, to come closer to the cross of Christ and gain some perspective on our life and our relationship to God's love and Jesus' sacrifice. Won't you come this morning? Draw closer to God. Through the cross, the distance between God and us has been removed. And Jesus is inviting you to draw close enough today to commune with him and feast with him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Will you join me in the great thanksgiving as we celebrate Holy Communion together? The words will be on the screens. Beginning with the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. We lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. In love, you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and became subject to evil and death, your love remains steadfast. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Easter feast. That renewed by your word and sacraments and fervent in prayer and works of justice and mercy, we may come to the fullness of grace that you have prepared for those who love you. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to redeem the world. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in our likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He took upon himself our sin and death and offered himself a perfect sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to the church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, 
poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. As you prepare to receive communion this morning, uh, we will be receiving sealed elements. So once you um, receive yours, if you are invited either to kneel at the altar and partake of them there, or you may return to your seat. I'd like to remind you, this is an open table. You need not be a member of this church or denomination to participate. All that is needed is a repentant heart and a desire to lead a new life in Christ. We will begin with, with those of you in the back center rows coming first. This is our Lord's table, and he invites you to come. Such 
sacrifice If not joined with my life I sing in vain tonight May the words I say And the things I do Make my life song sing Bring a smile to you
like to ask the Silva family if they don't mind to come and stand here because I know you'll want an opportunity to come and greet them and welcome them after the service. Now may God go before you to guide you. May God go behind you to direct you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God rest above you to protect you. May God rest below you to uphold you. And may God dwell within you to comfort you now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.